The record button has been pressed, so it is time for Joel's finding the flow. Like real philosophical sort of discussions. You know when people get high? <laughs> it's pure Joel. Don't count your fans before they hit. But, we hit a flow in the conversation. Um, I think I'm. Open I mean, your I'm in my head. mind with. I think I'm gonna hit. Finding the flow with Joel Franklin. Hello, 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 everybody. This is Finding the Flow with Joel, and uh, I have a new episode for you today. Episode sixty-eight or sixty-nine. It's getting up there. Um, today's guest is Sally Burns. Sally Burns. She is quite a gem in this fellowship. She is very independent woman. She still drives a little bit, a little bit haphazardly. I mean, I, I have to admit, uh, but I, I respect her and, uh, she has a funny comment about it in the, in the interview. She says how, um, she would not be a safe driver unless she, she drove fast. If she didn't drive fast, she'd be, uh, she'd be, you know, more of, of a danger on the road. I thought that was, that was funny logic. Um, so she's quite a character. She comes from, uh, the Buffalo area, just like I do. Uh, but she spent most of her, her adult life around here in Spring Valley and a little bit in, in California. Uh, she made a real, real, uh, name for herself in this area. She had a, a store uh, that she helped run, but she was also uh, kind of an apprentice of uh, Pfeiffer. Aaron Fried Pfeiffer is a, a real, real uh, interesting character, a, a genius in ways. He he um, developed um, new to a couple basically brand new things to the scientific world. So, um, just interesting to see her parallel life with this man. Um, but also she had a lot that she did to do. She was, um, just very interesting. And, and, and the impression that I get with her, you know, I see her at meals at, at the early morning or, um, the, the 12 o'clock meals, lunch, we call it dinner here, but you know, it's lunch. And she usually comes to that and usually has something to complain about the food and, and has, uh, you know, and and she's probably just she just has this funny she has these eyes where she'll give you these these like mean looks and stuff like that and really she's just goofing around you know she's really really just a goof off and uh and so she you know she's she's into i think her 90s now she's very skinny and uh she she um she just kind of goes around being a little little kind of grumpy but for the most part just a very interesting character. And so to find out about her history was definitely amazing. And it was a long interview. Um, now there have been a lot of things going on, but you know, it, it's just, it's just crazy to think that I could pull off trying to relay all this to you, um, off the top of my head right now. Uh, a few things are that I'm, I'm back to getting up early again. Um, I'm getting a lot of projects done. Uh, my naps have never been better because, you know, I love it when I'm tired enough that I, that when I go to take a nap, I'm just, boom, I'm out. Um, and I'm in that mode, which is nice. Uh, the weather's nice. 
a lot of things are going well. Um, I can't complain too much. I had I have some interesting stories, but but for now we're fine. And and I got Win here, and he's having fun um, playing around Willie's workport. Uh, so I have been yearning to bring back the flow moments uh, for a while now, and so I have uh, one flow moment I prepared. Just a little uh, thing I a ditty on the organ. Uh, it sounds relatively um, like an Indian scale. Uh, maybe a I don't know, like a harmonic minor, some some sort of scale uh, that that is is remnant of of kind of like a gypsy Israeli um, Middle Eastern kind of. All right, so I'm gonna play the flute on top of that. Maybe maybe sing, but probably just gonna play the flute. Have some fun. All right.
me I don't know what they want from me I don't know what they want from me From me Improvisational flow experience. Oh, are you ready for it? Were you ready for that? Don't know. Probably scared away so many people. Well, speaking of uh, scaring away people, please enjoy the interview with Sally Burns. I have today with me Sally Burns. She is 92 years old? One. 91 years old, meaning you were born in... 24. 24. Okay, so your birthday is later this year. August 7th. August 7th. Now, um, that means that you were born during the Roaring Trunnies and you were a girl during the Depression. Which was really bad. Yeah. Where did you live when you were born? In Buffalo or Hamburg, either way. So you, you started in Buffalo. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ham- Hamburg, southeast of Buffalo. 
Great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I know the area very well. Yeah. Um. I I came from um. You know the, the Wyoming County. We moved so much that I could never say exactly where I was. But when I was first born, we lived in Strikersville. Don't know it. That's just um just outside of uh, Wales. You know Wales. Don't know it. You don't know Alma, Wales, East Aurora. Alma. Alma's uh, uh, just northeast of of Hamburg. Uh, East Aurora is just east of East Hamburg. Aurora. Yeah, I knew. Just, uh, e- just east tough. of Hamburg is East Aurora. Just east of East Aurora is Wales, and just east of Wales is Strikersville. Oh, I see. Or okay. the next county over. And uh, I was also I lived in um, Holland. You know Holland. Yep. And I lived in um, Attica. No, I don't know it. You don't know Attica. I never got there. But you know the town. I knew the town. It has one of the most famous prisons in the country. Well, I have never been in prison. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> all right, all right. So, so I lived. I've lived around, and and then when I got out of college, I moved to East Aurora. What college did you go to? Potsdam. Was it good? Yeah, I went to the Crane School of Music. Oh, I was a music major. Wonderful. Yep, voice. I uh, I have a degree in bachelor's of music in music education with an emphasis in voice. Huh. Yep. Amazing. Now, how about you? You you were born in Buffalo. You were lived in Buffalo slash Hamburg. I have yeah. You know, I don't know whether I was born in Hamburg, and then later went to Buffalo. But I was I was born. They thought I would turn out to be a boy, so they gave me both grandfather's middle names. Okay, what so are they? So my name comes Sayre Shelton Burns. Sayre. Sayre S A Y R E. Okay. Shelton S H E L T O N. Uh, Burns. So that so you your nickname is Sally. Yeah, but they they left me with them. <laughs> a boy's name. When, they didn't even try to change. They didn't even try to change anything. <laughs> so my real name is Sarah Shelton Burns. Sarah Shelton Burns. Very nice. And so you lived in Buffalo during the Roaring Buffalo Peak. You lived there when when it was hot town. Don't remember it. Oh, you moved out before you grew up. Well, I, my mother took us all over to the cemetery that was nearby. Not Forest Lawn? Forest Lawn. Yes, Forest Lawn. And taught us how to drive a car. <laughs> nice. All four of us. Did you, were you driving a Model T in those days? No, it had a pretty good car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was it? I, I think it was a Ford. Yeah, it was a Ford. Well, everybody had Fords. Yeah, back in those days, it was just the beginning. Yeah. So um, so you were probably driving in the late 30s. Well, I wasn't driving by that time. I wasn't driving. I was just learning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I was born in 24, uh, 34, yeah. and I and add eight years to that. So 42. Yeah. 42, yep. So, so things were getting, you know, you got probably those huge steel cars, you know, those big frame cars. Don't remember them at all. Yeah, whatever. The whole thing is forgotten, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to try to figure out any, any little bit, you know. But um, either way, uh, what was your childhood like? I was seven when I went down to Seneca Lake. Okay. At, uh, That's one of the Finger Lakes. That's, yeah, uh, yeah. On the, on the west side of the lake. Yep. And uh, there I lived with a friend. When you her were mother, seven? Yeah, her mother was there, her... Her father was a TB doctor, 
And he died of TB, and his oldest daughter died of tuberculosis. And so there was her daughter, Janet, a man, M-A-N-N, and I got together. We were the same age, and I was sure-footed, so they wanted me down there because she's not so sure-footed. Okay, so you were there to support. That's right. And so one day we went out into the woods, and she had to go to the bathroom. And what do you think she wiped herself with? A poison ivy leaf. No! <laughs> That's a nightmare. <laughs> I, I've actually heard one other person that had done that. What a, what a thing. I mean, what a thing to do. So um, how long did you live in that situation? Well, until I was 17, and then I was not invited anymore because she wanted her daughter to get used to men and, and get married. Yeah, so, so get, well, get someone else to take care of her. No, she... They, uh, get a man to take care of Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what they wanted. So where'd you go? Back home? Back to I went Buffalo? back home. Yeah, back to Buffalo. To Hamburg. Hamburg, Hamburg. yep. And uh, the war was on. So I was in Buffalo at the time the war was on. Well, do, I mean, you lived in the Depression. So did, did, did you get used to the rations? No. No? There was no... I no. mean, you were in the countryside, so you didn't... Oh, we raised a lot of stuff. Yeah, so you did it all yourself. Yeah, we, mostly. We, what sort of... Uh, we had big asparagus beds. Did you homestead? Did you garden? And My mother was a very good cook. Yeah, I bet. And uh, she, we had two boys. They were the oldest, and my sister, Clara, and then me. I was the youngest. Okay, so one of four. Yeah. You're the youngest of four. And my mother would cook in the kitchen... And then she would go into the to the dining room to hold hands and say the prayer, which was blessings on the meal, just like the uh, the Waldorf one. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Here they go into yeah far Earth, too Earth, much. Earth who gave us all this food and stuff like that. So so um, so you had a nice sit down meals with your your family. My mother cooked all the food, and when she wanted the food brought in by the maid. She rang the bell. And oh, the the so maid had, brought the food in. So you had a maid. My mother always had a maid. And so she did all the cooking. But when she went to say prayer with us, she rang the bell and the maid brought the food in. I see. And then she also cleaned up the kitchen. So the maid was not having to do that, that much. Well, she was doing a lot of cleaning, cleaning out. Cleaning. So... um how how could you afford a maid during those days? Where, 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 what was your dad's business? Oh, I don't remember all of it, but they were they were always in foundries or or uh, big things, you know, big things. They they made uh, they represented companies that were building big things. Okay, so like a like a contract? Well, not a contractor, but like an architect. No, he just would call them. And do you have anything you need? I remember he was called General Electric, and they wanted to get this, that, and the other thing, and Dad was writing it down, and his office was in the basement, and I was on the platform going upstairs. Was it his own private business? Yeah. So so it and, sounds like he was he was doing some, some real real business. Oh, absolutely. That, that was a real brokering. That, and, he must have been making a real he, cut. He did very well. Talking to General Electric. And when he got through, he just hung up. So did you? And ever- I said, "Well, Dad, I mean, you don't just hang up on people." I went downstairs. I said, well, "You didn't even say goodbye." He said, "I didn't." <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, um, you know, the uh, uh, did you have a carriage house then? No. No? Did the maid live with you? No. She just came every day? We had two chicken houses. One was small, about the square of this room, and the other one was long. And my, my father had the outside lifted up and wired so my mother could go out there and rest when she wanted to get away from the family. <laughs> nice. That and like- he put me in the chicken business when I was 12 years old. 12 years old. I got 12 chickens, and I was doing very well selling the chickens, going down the street. When I got too much, I would knock on people's doors and do you want some eggs? Well, how long, how old are they? Well, some were three days, some were two days, and some were today. I'll take all you have. (laughs) (laughs) Very nice. That's good business. During those days, it's good to get fresh stuff. I'm sure when people were rationed in those days, I'm sure they would do do whatever they could to get fresh farm produce. Yeah, I, I don't really know much about that. Yeah, you were too young. But a weasel got into the chicken house <laughs> through the floor. Yeah, I know. And they, killed all the chickens. Uh, and your business was over. I was so glad I didn't mind it at all. <laughs> But we had cherry trees, we had apple trees, we had pear trees. How many acres did you have? It's just one and a half lots. One and a half lots. That's that's pretty good. You know, nice Probably it was two lots, actually. But we, my father always grew all the potatoes he wanted. And he had a big vat in the basement. And all the potatoes would go down there. Very nice. <clears throat> At somewhere in the middle of all this, you went over and lived in, near Seneca Lake. During the summer. Just the summer. Gotcha. Okay. So then um, you grow up. You're the youngest. So you're the last to uh, get out of high school, the last to drive. Never got to high school. What? The war was on. Okay, the war. And so I went to work with my sister-in-law making steel baskets. They had to be sharpened with about 22 teeth going around and three different this way, that way, and on an angle. Okay. And we had a, we could only do about five a whole night. What are they for? I don't know. They never told us. Was it for war sake? Well, they were making something out of it. They had were building something. Okay. They weren't keeping them. They were making something out of this. So this, it was this, a part. It was just a part of a part of, of part of a of, bigger thing of making something that they had to have, like uh, a hammer. You need a hammer. You can't make I a see, hammer. I see. So so those. Parts sticking out were, were like nails. To, to they were like very sharp, and they and, could. And they were probably they able could, to. They could cut. Cut into wood. Cut into anything they wanted to. Yep. Seal. You. Yep. 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 So, so you were helping that in that effort. Did, and then I thought, like, gee, I, I really want to go in the war. In the war, I want to go in the in the navy. And the navy said, "You got to prove you can work." So I went to the Navy hospital nearby, and I carried the dead babies down to the morgue. I held them for second session, and I took them to their mothers for the first time. I worked seven days a week. But did you say dead? Huh? You you took dead babies to the morgue? Yes. From stillbirths or no. just bad birth? So I guess. How, I don't know. How, were, all they said is, he's, this child is dead. Take it down to the morgue. How did they deal with it? Did they have him in a bag or something? Have no, yeah, I guess think so. Yeah. How, how, what was that? Was that psychologically hard to do? No. 
it was just part of life. No, I I never get upset about things. Yeah. Well, it's a, not not. So basically, they wanted to see. I mean, that proved that you were a pretty hardened worker. Yeah, I enjoyed working. Yeah. One of the things about me is that I enjoy working all the time. I enjoy it always when I could work. Yeah, I, I get you. That's a type of mindset, a type of attitude. That's great. So um, so you proved that you could work hard for the Navy? And so the Navy said, I think you can come in. All right. What did you do? Well, I went down to Philadelphia Naval Hospital, did whatever I had to do. I used to drink a lot of martinis. I was like that one man said, I want to meet you down at the hotel. And uh, so I met him down at the hotel, and I was having a martini because I always loved him. And I noticed he was dropping his stuff, whatever he was having, in my martini. After a while, I had three of his and seven martinis. So he was getting you drunk. You couldn't get me drunk if you tried. <laughs> so did you so we, do, went, we went did, right next door yeah. to get something to eat. Uh-huh. And we couldn't taste the steak. We had no taste left. Because you were so, so drank so many martinis. Yeah, so I went right over. Uh-huh. I called a taxi. Uh-huh. I said, take this man to the front door and check him in. Drop me off at the wave barracks. And I was in bed in an upper bunk by 9 o'clock. <laughs> and did, that, you, did you do gin or, or, uh, or vodka martini? Gin. Of course gin, right? And they said, Burns, what are you doing up there? I said, well, I got to tell you, I am drunk. You don't sound drunk. Well, I am very, very drunk, <laughs> even though I don't sound like it. <laughs> so you were a woman that could hold her liquor. <laughs> right. So at 30, I gave up all drinking. Okay. So you, you were too prone to it. You felt no, like- I, no, I just I didn't think it was right anymore. I thought that's not what you have to do in life. You've got to do other things. Yeah. Uh, so, so, but basically, that it probably made you fit in well with the guys. <laughs> yes, you you had a guy name and you had a guy attitude. Right? <laughs> I went. So, what did you do after, in the Navy? after the, well, the Navy? That's, that's what, what I did. I, you drank. You know, I held a man's name, his hand. He was he had tuberculosis. Okay. He was waiting for his wife to come. He was about to die. Yeah. And I just sat next to him and held his hand. And when he started to go up, I loosened my hand from his to have him take his own trip. His wife never came. So you're talking in the mid-40s. So you you only joined the war effort really near the end. Yeah. Okay. So you're only there for a second. I was born in 44. 24. So So 24. So by 45, the war was almost over. Yeah. So you were only there for a little bit. So, um, So what did you do after the war? That's when did you uh, stay in the navy for a while? No, no. I came out of the navy, and what did I do? I wanted to go natural farming, so I went skiing up to Snow Vermont. There was no skiing, but I had a friend with me. It was all ice. So my sister-in-law, she came up from Brattleboro to pick us up at, at Snow Vermont, and she knew I wanted natural farming, so she went into this house and came out with a name that I should see Dr. Pfeiffer in Chester, New York. Ah, so so, so that's what led you to here. And that was the Baron and Baroness von Trapp family. Now, did you say Chester, uh, New now, York? Yeah, Chester. Not Chestnut Ridge? No. Chestnut Ridge didn't exist then. It no, was Ch- Chester up in Orange County. I don't know Chester. Okay, Chester. It's gone by now. Mm-hmm. But Pfeiffer started there. 
Uh, well, you're talking he, about Aaron Pfeiffer. Yeah, Aaron Freed was not doing anything. He was down here living with a different woman, ah. even though he was married and had children. What's up with that? Was he? And, did and he this, have two? this woman didn't like me because I she thought I would interfere with him. So, so he had two families. No, he didn't, he didn't marry anybody else. Okay. He was married to Otto Pfeiffer. She could have been a baroness in Germany. But she chose to live with him. I see. And uh, then let's see what happened next. Uh, he developed this bacteria gradually. I think it was soil bacteria that bit by bit he could get enough of it to make a starter. So he could decompose garbage in three weeks. Is that the compost starter that we all hear of? Yeah. Okay. I'm doing the compost now. So, good for you. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, I used to do it all the time. So, so you moved to Chester first. Did I moved, you moved to there. Or did oh you, yeah, no, 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 no. You did, go over there. I, Otto Pfeiffer and I milked the cows twice a twice a day. So did you live somewhere? From five in the morning and five at night. I bet. Yeah. See, we we do it at six in the morning and four at night. And I I know you should be doing it closer to. Five and five, or something that was the same, yeah, because it's better for the cows, yeah. But um, we we have it ten and twelve. Or she put the machine on. No, I'd put the machine on, and she would then strip the cow. Yep. You know, so when I came over here, I told uh, Carno, Gerald, I said, "When you, if you're having uh, cows over here to milk, never touch the teeth. Once you take the machine off, that's it." Yeah. Otherwise, you've got to strip them every day. Yeah, because so they they, they listen won't let to, it all down. They listen to me, and they just never have a, They've never had to strip them. Yep. I I um I do kind of a hybrid of that, but I I I, I we're, our cows are doing really good right now. Yeah. Um. So, you worked with Pfeiffer. How long did you work with him? Did you live there? Did you? Well, I lived in, uh, in he, a house he, he was living here. You know where uh, Charlotte Parker's house is on Hungry Hollow? Okay. Uh, the garage was, atta- was attached. Uh-huh. And that's where Pfeiffer upstairs lived with another woman. Mm. He was a really, you know, he women. He had women all across the country. He was one of those guys. Absolutely. He was a, he was a very smart man. He was a scientist. He was busy with anthroposophy and so forth, and he was good. But his habit was not so good. A <laughs> little, little bit of a swinger. Yeah. Um, so they, they had two, two girls and one boy. And the one girl died of, of cancer. And the other one, I don't know what happened to her. I've forgotten that. But his son uh, lived. And so, so you got your starts in that. And in, in basically, so you were kind of a... a a apprentice of Aaron Pfeiffer. Aaron Freed. Aaron Freed Pfeiffer. And so what did that lead to? Did you end up getting your own farm? No. What'd you do? I just, when he would put these plates, you would take a celluloid, oh, I, I know what you're celluloid plate going around like this. He had different things and different things. Chromograph. Yeah. I, I've heard of that. So, And they had to teach me. Well, no. First, I, am, I went back to Buffalo. Okay. After three years. In Chester? 
from Chester. I went back to Buffalo. And I had farmed for three years, and uh, then uh, Pfeiffer had discovered the bacteria. Wait, what kind of farm? What kind of farm did you do? Out of height and I milked the cows twice a day. But we had a lot of fun. We wait, enjoyed wait, wait, wait. life. No, when you went back to Buffalo, what farm did you do? I didn't do any farming in I Buffalo. I thought you said you did some farming in Buffalo. No. Oh, okay. What did you do when you moved back to Buffalo? Pfeiffer had discovered the bacteria that would decompose garbage in three weeks. Oh, yeah. You told me about that. And so all you did was uh, I, I, ha- I got an introduction to Cy King, head of the radio station. He said, well, why should I be interested in this? I said, because Pfeiffer is a scientist. You are a promoter. And I was like 23. <laughs> and, but and you he, knew already. You, he, you had he, a lot of business sense. Yeah, he – yeah. From my father, really. Uh, he he picked up the phone, called the president of the morning newspaper, said, Miss Burns will be right over. And out came the first article, and Pfeiffer had to come up from Chester down here, or here, Spring all Valley. the way up he to Buffalo with- to give several talks. And out of those talks, we met the people that put that were millionaires, put all the money behind Oakland, California. Now, I had to have a lab out there, so they had to teach me all the tests I would ever need. In California? Yeah, in Oakland. How was the weather there? Oh, fine. It was. It's a more northern city. Yeah, it's, it's really nice. Yeah, I bet. A lot of and sun. I, I got very little money, barely enough to get by. I rented a room, and I would have breakfast over at a place. And but, so Gwen Ormison, who was also involved with Pfeiffer, lived in San Francisco, and she made dinner every night for me. And I, all I had to do was cross the bridge. The Golden Gate? Mm-hmm. Did you, or not Golden Gate, where, what's, what bridge is near Oakland? San Francisco Bridge, but Golden Gate. Well, maybe that is the name. I don't know. I, Oakland, I, I, for some reason, I said... Well, it doesn't matter. It, it, but yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, so, uh, so she made dinner every night, and she was involved with Pfeiffer, but she never... Uh, Involved? I don't know how much involved. I didn't get involved. I didn't ask them any questions. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right. I, I, I get the idea. So so um, basically, you were pretty much a catalyst to get Pfeiffer started. Yeah. You you because of you, Pfeiffer got his name. That's right. That's that's yeah. pretty. Neat. Basically. Yeah. So so um, but you weren't. It seems like since you didn't get paid very much, you weren't really appreciated. Well, he didn't have any money. Oh, okay. And uh, he, appreci- he had very little money. He appreciated you. Yeah. Yes. Of course he did. Yeah. Uh, and he wanted me. In no, Collier's no, magazine. Collier's magazine, May thirty one, nineteen fifty two. Okay. And it speaks about the city with golden garbage. And that was Oakland. Yes. Of course. And this is a copy of it. And in that, uh, there's Pfeiffer. And. The garbage was dropped on the floor, and then it came up like an elevator, like, you know, a conveyor. Okay. And, uh, they, and the people up above threw, had a magnet on it to take all the metals out, and they sorted the garbage, whatever was not garbage, they threw away for us. And then it would go out to all so the way you down. You mean whatever to, was not compost? Yeah, p- paper and, you know, all Yeah. yeah. And went out of the building, dropped into a truck, and then went up to three vans. One was 
soil, one was manure, and one was Pfeiffer's uh, compost, starter. compost starter. And this is how it looked a little bit. You can see this. This had a metal on it, so it took the metals out. Oh yeah, I see. So so it was it, it was a real real assembly line. Yeah, yeah, and it was quite long. The city was golden garbage. So so basically, you know, it's it's highlighting Pfeiffer's influence and to there get is the compost people that put the money behind it. And there's Sally Burns. There's Sally Burns. Check with, uh, checks a week old pile. Garbage heats up from violence of its decomposition. Uh, Look at that. Sally Burns, you're quite a looker. <laughs> at that time, I, I knew what I wanted to do. You knew what you wanted to do. You were a young woman. This person that worked at the plant, the plant manager, and I sort of fell in love. But we went out, and he was married, but he had a little boy, a towhead boy. <laughs> what does that mean? White hair? Blonde. So... We would go out and, and drink and have a good time. And I had—I remember one time I, before I left him, I had three martinis. And when I left him, I saw two roads. So I closed one eye and drove on the other road. Oh, no. <laughs> but, but I gave up all drinking when I turned 30. Yeah. You, I, mean, I mean, did you – most people that give up drinking usually have a low point. Did you have a point where you blacked out or anything? No, nothing like you that. Just, you just knew it was good to I stop. I just wanted to stop. Yeah. You know what? You liked it too much. I own me. Yeah. That's me. And you didn't want and, drinking and I to own you. And, and I, when you say you own yourself, you, you can't do it if you don't do it. Yeah. You've got to take care of whatever you should do. Yeah. And you know what you should do. Yeah. So you just do it. So you did it. And so I came back. You know, not everyone can. Well, they can if they even think about it. They don't think about these things. Yeah. So did Pfeiffer actually come to Oakland or did he stay in, in uh, Spring Valley? No, he was out there in Oakland. The whole time you were? Yeah. Okay. So so when did you come back? We were out there for two years. Did you end up having a relationship with this uh, owner? No. You just you just fell in he, love with him. He, we both liked each other very much, but he had a towhead boy. His wife was really awful. When Pfeiffer came for dinner for the first time, she gave him macaroni and cheese. That was dinner, <laughs> and she was plain. Very you were plain. used to real good food, and so his uh, he wanted to marry me, and his sister told him, "Absolutely, marry her." And divorce your wife because she's no good at all. And I said, look, I can't work into your plans. Yeah. Because that's not me. You're your own woman. Yeah. Yeah. So I said, I was, uh, for me to, to stop life right now and start cooking for dinner and stuff like that, I, I that's not me. Yeah, you, you, were, you were very independent. Yeah. So, I wanted to do what I wanted to do and that's it. Yeah. So did you? Um, so what? What led you to coming? You, did you end up? Where did you go after Oakland? Did you end up in uh, Spring Valley? Yeah. Well, I came back the northern route. Okay. Stayed with a friend that I had met before, and drove on, and uh, got to Buffalo. And so you started going by going to Buffalo, and then I came down here. Came down to Spring Valley, and I went back up to see my father because he was very ill. And I was I realized he was going to die, 
And so I came back down here, thinking it would take a couple of weeks or something. And my mother, when he died, my father died, she tried to call him here at threefold. That's the only number she had. And a woman that only spoke German answered the phone. So I never got to my father's funeral. Uh. And then my mother came down here just to have a rest. She thought she would go into real estate or something like that. But she loved the place so much, she wanted to stay here for the rest of her life. So we took the corner store. And after the last lecture, people came down the hill and walked along Hungry Hollow Road and came up to the corner store to get ice cream because they put an ice cream thing in. So what? So that's where the modern co-op is now? Yeah. And so what? But in the parking lot, that was a beautiful horse chestnut tree. Ah. And around it, I put slate tables around it on concrete blocks. For shade? So underneath the shade of the tree? Yeah. Very nice. And but, then, but what about horse chestnuts falling on people? No, no, there were none. There were not. It isn't that kind of a tree, evidently. Oh, okay. Anyway, I put a bug light up in the tree and with long stringing, I said, conversations can go on all night, it doesn't matter, but the last one out, please pull out the light. <laughs> and conversations after the last lecture came down and came out and went out until four in the morning. We had fantastic conversations. There was a real uh, a live community there. Mm. And did you what what sort of um, grocery store did you provide? Well, we put ice cream in first, and then we put uh, groceries in. Yeah. Actually, we gave up the ice cream because we knew we couldn't keep that up. It was it was too much it of was, a mess. It was just getting some food in the house. Yeah. Basically, yeah, because very few people bought from us, you know. I see. So, so, um, did you provide any special types of food, produce? Did you have anything related to Pfeiffer? No. Pfeiffer went to live with his wife for the first time in many, many years in the in the in the house right uh, below uh, the right below the school, Green okay. Meadow. From Green Meadow School, yep, coming down Hunger Hollow Road, right below it. On the house. On the left? On the same side as the school. I know that house. It's a red house. Yes. Mm -hmm. And Pfeiffer lived with his wife for the first time in many, many years. And then, now and then, he wanted me back in three years. And now and then, he would come up to the store and tell me, don't say anything. Just take care of the customers. And he would stand there for about 10 or 15 minutes and watch me do something. Because he wanted me back in three years to do another thing. And then he would go back to his house. And then one day, this happened about three or four times, maybe five times. I said, I know what Pfeiffer needs. He needs a grapefruit. He needs a grapefruit. So I got in my car. Wait, wait, wait. How, how did you just determine this? Just by thoughts. Okay, but he, why, what, he was just coming and watching you. He was just standing there, and I would take care of the customers, and then we just stand there and you never talk to each just, other. Just never say a word to each other. Just loitering. He wanted me back in three years. What What do you mean by wanting you back as a, as an? He apprentice? wanted to have me work with him. Yeah, I see. So he how did he, how did you know that he made that clear to you? He kept telling you that. He had said it before once. Yeah, and he, so you said he needed a grapefruit. Okay. I no no I he had gone home. Yeah. And I looked out the window on Hungry Hollow Road because that store wasn't that long at that time. 
I said, Piper needs a grapefruit. That's what he needs. And I went down to Tice Farms, driving fast as I could, and it passed people that their car broke down. I would never do that. I would, but this was far too important. And you're, I got, you I still drive over. today. <laughs> and you still drive just as fast. Well, I think I drive faster then. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a slow. I, if I was a slow driver, I'd have an accident. But a fast driver pays attention always. That's right. That's right. So when I got the grapefruit from Tice Farms, I passed people that car had broken down. I would always have stopped. But this was too important. I came back, turned, le- uh, turned left past the Green Meadow School, around the house, below the school, and around the back, and you got to go upstairs, quite a, uh, two flights of stairs. And Dickie Viber, a dear friend of Adelheid's, just came down and said, Doc just died. Which Doc? Pfeiffer. Aaron do- died? Yeah, he just died. Ah, so that was going on. He was acting funny. How old was he by that point? No, he wasn't acting funny when he came up to the shore to watch me. Uh huh. That was perfectly fine. But he had a heart attack. That's what killed him. How old was he? I don't know. Well, not that old. I couldn't tell you. I really don't. I never thought of him that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. But but I mean, either either way, do you think the grapefruit would have saved him? No. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's a, that's the destiny that you have with one another. And you and, just knew something. And I just something? came around, and uh, just as I'm coming around the back of the building, and Dickie Viver, dear friend of Adelheid's, was just coming down. She said, Doc just died. And he died of a heart attack. So that's how you learn things. That, that's how things happen. And then. Um, now, now, so you really were connected with Pfeiffer. Was he in the community treated as a very, like, was he very respected? Oh, very. And so you, when you saw that he was, you saw some distress or something in him that you were like, you really got worried for this very important man. Because I wanted to continue. I mean, could. you considered him a very important man. Well, yeah, of course, because he developed a bacteria that would decompose garbage in three weeks. That's huge. That, nobody can do that. So do you think that's his biggest accomplishment of anything else? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, his promiscuity, do you think that that is a, a side effect of, of, his, of his genius? So many people that seem to be um, uh, very smart people tend to have almost goes hand in hand that they're promiscuous. Well, that could do you, be. Do you think it might have been his relationship with his wife was just sure it was over. It was but it was completely, you know, business. They were still married, but it was over. How long? For many, many, many years? Well, they had uh I think they had two daughters and one boy. And one girl died of cancer and the other one died or something else, I think. Yeah, I you, think they you, had three. You had mentioned that, and so. Uh, but after the kids, he had. What did he just? They were. He was living with the other woman. Another woman up in the garage. He never had other kids. You know the garage. Do yeah, you yeah, know yeah. what I'm talking about yeah. when I say the garage is three, yeah, yeah. and the upstairs you can live. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, was uh, I don't I don't want to go too far into that, but I mean, was it was it frowned upon, or did anyone just he was such a he was such a people didn't even talk about it because he was such an important man. Now, my friend, yeah, what was her name? God Almighty, they lived in San Francisco and made me dinners continuously because I could live because I didn't have enough money to buy. Gwen Ormiston was her name. Okay, and. Uh, so I would go over to her house 
I had to pay the money for the bridge, but that's all. And so she'd have dinner for me every day. That's nice. It was really wonderful. So what happened after Pfeiffer? Well, I can't say it that Was way. there a lot of pomp and circumstance? No, no, they, no. they no. give him I mean, a big funeral? No, when he came back here and he died. But before that, Charlotte Parker okay. asked me to disinvolve, disinvite Gwen Ormiston from San Francisco. Why? Because he knew, she knew, and Pfeiffer were together. I see. And huh. she didn't want him to. She didn't want him to come here because Maggie Selker was involved with Pfeiffer all the time. So did he? Do you think that was it for his mistresses, or did he have more? No. Well, he's he died before he got a chance to have more. But, but he had but, two that you knew but of. Charlotte Parker were walking back and forth on the road uh, on the path, pathway, and asked me to disinvite. Gwen Ormiston. And I said, well, I really can't do that. I've invited her. But Gwen called me and said she couldn't come. So, so, then I was, so it worked out. You were out, so of, out of trouble. Out, out of trouble. <laughs> All right. So then we had a funeral. A big one? I guess the whole auditorium was filled. Uh, which, uh, the auditorium on the top of the hill? The one that we have. Yeah. They turned to me and they said, would you like to say something, Sally? And I stood up and I said, I have absolutely nothing to say. Why? Because... That's how you were? I would have to go into a long story. They'd be there for all night. (laughs) (laughs) If I really told them what I thought of Pfeiffer. Because Pfeiffer, I even used... He showed me how to count uh, plants, oaks, uh, to grow bread. How many stalks came in each state... And then I had to tie a ribbon on it. It was, it was over 17 or something like that. And so I always did things like that for him out in Cheshire. Yeah. So. Uh, Sounds like he was, a, he, was a sci- he, he was more of a scientist than a gardener. I mean, he was a science gardener. Yeah. And Adelheid, she was a lot of fun. We had more fun that's, in her house. That's his wife. Yeah, Adelheid Pfeiffer. She was a lot of fun. We, uh, we had a good time always. So, so and when her sister... And England was in a bed, and all she could move was her eyes, and she died. She took her two sons, and uh, her three sons, uh, or maybe one daughter, over here. And when they came here, they were walking in the house in Cheshire, when she said, we will now speak English. <laughs> That's how... That's how tough she really was. She was the toughest woman. When I had to have a a hysterectomy, she said, I'm taking over the store. Oh, man. Right away. And she did. Only temporarily. Yeah, but she was going to take it over. I had to have the operation. I said, take out my appendix because I've had many appendix attacks. And they said, we'll take it out if it's... While they got you open. Yeah, because I said it was wrapped around my... Your your uterus. Around my spinal column. Oh, yeah. And so, anyway, uh, she just took over the car, the whole house. I don't know whether my mother ever fed her or anything. I know nothing about it. Except that one day, after two weeks, she came upstairs and she said, you have to get up and come down and start working because my family says I'm getting too tired. <laughs> she She came down, you know, because... 
The cash register was the old-fashioned cash register when you press them. It yeah. really hurt ding, here. Ding. They hurt here. You know, yeah. all that noise. No, just when you press it. But that would hurt here. Because it would push against you? No. Well, what, what would... Because... Oh, oh, when you I had it, all... Because, I had my operation. Because you're... you're yeah, yeah. So, yeah, my, my, my wife had an appendectomy and, uh, and also May Louise, and they both talked about how it was hard to laugh. If you laughed, your whole guts would, would tear up, you know. And, I, said, ah! I said there's only one thing. If you're going to take out my appendix, I want you to take... Be sure you take out... Your pen, uh, your your. You mean if you're oh. going to take out your uterus, you're going to take uterus. out my appendix. Yeah, I want to be sure you do. So did you and have so, kids? And what do you know? So no, did you, no. you never had kids, no. and that was and the end they, of that. And they, it was wrapped around me. Your spine. The whole thing, so they had Boy. to unwrap it to, to get it out. Wow. So, but she was a tough woman. Adelheid Pfeiffer was the toughest yeah, woman I mean, I've ever met in my life. For you to say that, that's quite an honor because you're a tough woman yourself. Not, not like her. Not like her. Oh God! I the, the, when she came over here to live, after Pfeiffer died, she lived at uh, the main house. And if you go in the main house, you turn right, and she lived about the third or the fourth door on the left. And I would come over and get her for lunch and take her out for lunch every now and then. Because I was working for the county as a land acquisition agent. That's what my sign is. I bought land for widening roads, putting sewer lines in, stuff like that. Wow. You are like a spitting, spitting uh, image of your dad. <laughs> well, I only one thing I've learned in life is that you can do anything you want to do. All you got to do is want to do it. Yeah, want it. There's no limit. You just got to want it enough. There's no limit. You are the limit. So you, may, you, you trailblazed your life. Like no other, and so when Adelheid, I had I had had a I had a big cold, and it hadn't been up for about a, a month and a half to take her out for lunch. When I got up there, you couldn't go in her room; they wouldn't let you. What was going on? She has not been eating at all. She doesn't eat, and she's died. She killed herself. That's how she did it. How much? How long after? Aaron died. Oh, that I don't know. That's like a year or two? Oh, several years. Several years. I mean, she just, what happened? She just uh, lost lost hope? Well, I hadn't been up to see her, and we were very good friends. We'd go out, the, out on the outside, and you had these standing things that you could smoke, and then put your cigarette in there. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Bought, But they took them away. So now I said, where do you think I have to go to smoke? Out in the woods? You know, Saddle River Road where the tank is? Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the, that's where I go. You go that far? Yeah, that's where I have to go. Why? You can't smoke on this property. Oh. They made everything so tightened up, so screwed up, you know? Well, that that's, yeah, it does seem rather screwed up. I know some people that do smoke someplace in another building. Yeah. <laughs> no, there there are little smoking zones. Like, but anyway, Adelheid, by not eating any food, died finally. And she was was 105 years old. Was, was 95. She was 95 years old when she died. Oh, okay. So, so. But she did it by not eating anymore. That's how she, she could. 
if she kept on eating, she would live. Yeah. And she, so she stopped eating and she wouldn't eat any so, food. So, you see, my impression was that she killed herself at a younger age. But, I mean, when how old was Aaron? Was he, was he like... She was older than him. But how old was he like? I don't know. Like in his 70s, 80s? I don't know. All right. But he was older. I mean, you could tell me if he's older than like 60. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he was quite older than you. Yeah, he was older than I am. A lot older? Mean. Well, he, he was like 30, 40 years older than you? Probably about 25 or 30 years older. Oh, okay. So he died in his probably 50s, 60s. He died of a heart attack. That's yeah, yeah. So, so she lived like decades after him. And she was, yeah, she was 95 years old when she died. So how long ago was she? She was older than him. So she was probably died not that long ago. I can't tell you that. It's yeah. down in the... History, yeah, yeah. Well, well um, it, it doesn't matter. So, so, so she died at an old age, regardless of whether she chose to die or not. She chose to die. Yeah, she because if we keep on eating, you'll you'll live forever. Well, and she didn't want to continue it anymore. She's had enough of it. Is that how it works, Sally? If you keep eating, you'll live forever. Yeah. If that's you want, good, if you want to die, you just stop eating. All right, that's a good point. All right, thank you. I'll 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 use that that fact if it ever happens. If that ever happens, yes, you're desperate. Yes. Okay. So um, uh, moving on. So so how long did you keep that grocery store? We took the uh, everything out. We sold different things, and I had to have an operation, and Otto had to kill with the store. And my mother, I don't even think she fed her or anything. But after that. Oh, I know. Anne, Anna Newhouse, she came to live with us at Grace Ann's house. And then we were invited to go over where she had a, a house that lived up behind the barn, all the way up on top of the hill. And it's a, the living room is five-sided with a fireplace on one side. You know that room? And... Uh, I gave Anna money to go over and see a friend of hers that was dying of cancer in Europe somewhere. And while she was gone, Paul Scharf came up to see Mother and said, no operations, forget it. Your mother. Yeah, Paul Scharf said that to me. No, uh, no operations. How old was she? She was pretty old? No, she was about 80-something, 80 80-something. 80 yeah. So, so did you like that decision? Did you think he was making Well, I, I didn't know what was wrong, but I figured it out. She had cancer. Oh. And so there was no... So mother asked me the next day, what is wrong with you? What is wrong with me? Well, you have a, 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 a lump in your gut. What can we do about it? Go to the hospital, have it cut out, or go join your friends on the other side. Next day, what is this? That's the same thing. That is a malignant tumor. That is a, that is a tumor. What, we, what can we do about it? We can go to the hospital, have it cut out. Or you can or join you your can, friends, you in the friends on the other side. Third day, what is this? With full voice and vigor, it is a malignant tumor. That's not good. She was forgetting. No, she wasn't forgetting. I'm now telling her the final thing that she has now got a malignant tumor. And she has a choice to make. And uh, what can we do about it? Well, you can go to the hospital and have it cut out. 
uh, or you can uh, join your friends on the other side. I will join my friends on the other side. And right then and there, and within a couple of hours, Paul Scharf was up there. They were sucking, you know, there's a lot of fluid that pours into your mouth. They were trying to suck that all out while she could, so she could, uh, and uh, when she, they got quite a bit of it out, and then she, uh, Paul came in and felt her, and she had just a little warmth around her heart. And, uh, and she said, I want to say goodbye, and thank you very much. That's all, and she died. So she moved. Uh, yeah, you and your mother moved here and did the store together. Yeah. So when your mother died, was that the well, end? Of was the up st- in that big building? Yeah, uh, did- behind the barn, mm-hmm. all the way up the hill. Yeah. That Anna Newhouse had. Okay. And did you? Um, did was the end of your mother the end of the store? Oh yeah, the store has already gotten rid of. Oh, okay, you already gotten rid of it by then. Yeah. So um, what happened to the store after you were gotten rid of it? Well, the horse chestnut tree. Yeah. They had to cut down, which is oh. a shame because that was a parking lot. Yeah. Today, which is awful. Because so many stories were told around it. And it was so much fun. All the people that came from Europe would go up there and talk and talk and talk, even until four in the morning. So we had lots of fun. So you you were witness to the beginning of the fellowship. You were around here when the fellowship started. Oh, right before. Way before Paul and Anne, I knew, but they never bought anything. Were you you were uh, were you involved in the threefold cafe? No, because I know that that was significant in its um, that they brought organic food, biodynamic food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or actually, vegetarian food. That's what the thing was, right? Yeah, yeah. and you weren't involved. That's in later. That. Yeah, that was later. So you saw. The, you, were you buddies with Paul? With who? Paul Scharf. I mean, he was a good friend. Yeah. Now, Paul Scharf was the founder of the um, the fellowship. Paul and Anne, when they bought the land, finally. I had been here for many years before that. And said, when are you going to buy this land? And they said, yep, they did. They bought it, and they bought a farm on the other side, which goes out on Akaton Road. They bought that farm. So they have plenty of cows and milk, yeah, and all that kind of thing. And I, I can thank you for that. Thank him for that. Um, so, uh, uh, Paul, Paul, I mean, he he only passed away not too long ago. Yeah. Um, what were you doing in the meantime? What was your role and everything? I was working with the county. Working with the county, still doing that job. You see that. Yeah, you were the, the land... Acquisition agent. Acquisition agent. So that was your job all the way through. I had... Yeah, I had to be a notary, and I had to uh, buy land along the road. I'd be taking some bushes or something like that, and I'd have to pay them for it. And I was notarized, and I could have them take this piece of paper. They were going to write... They were going to write... In it, sign their name right away. I said, oh, no, you're not. Not until I read it to you. And so I would read it to everybody that I had to get signed. I got about 50 of them, you know. And uh, so I did that for several years, about 13 years I did that. And then all the land was bought that we would ever need for a long time. And the man that had done most of it before I ever came was John Feely. And he was not feeling well, had gone home 
and had been home for several days. And his wife called me one day. She said, would you come over to the house? I'd, I'd never been there. So I said, certainly. I went over there, and they took his hand and made an X on the sheet of paper because the house was in his name, not hers. And she would then have lost it. I see. So they got a signature out of him. Yeah. That's how they did it. I see. I was a notary, and of course I would do that. Yeah, I sure. would do you it if I, even if I had to go to jail. So what? Yeah, even if, if even if it was someone you you didn't know. That when I came part. here, I gave them two hundred eighty thousand dollars. Wow, that's all the money I had. <laughs> and because of what they had done for my sister Clara, who gave her first concert in Buffalo when she was twelve years old. What did she play? In, in a big, she played the piano uh, 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 in this big hall. And she was gifted, very gifted. Uh, I wasn't. So, you're gifted in, in your own way. In my own way, <laughs> maybe. But uh, anyway, Clara went in the navy. I was in the navy, and uh, when she came out, she went down to Juilliard to study more my music. And they said, "You're going to love the place here. Is everything wonderful?" They said, hey, "You'll love it." And she went upstairs to her room and looked out the window. And up above was a man with a peg leg. He fell out the window and died. And she had her first major breakdown. Your sister? Yeah, Clara Ann Burns. And so Mother and Don had to come down there and get her and take her back here. Next to the store, we got her an apartment. Uh, Paul Sharp came down to see her, and she had burned up her ashtray with a cigarette. And when she had had uh, a nervous breakdown, nervous breakdown, they took her for no money. Paul Scharf and Ann took her for no money and kept her here for 10 years. Wow. And uh, so I felt we owed them. We yeah, owed them a we lot. We owed them a lot. Yeah. You were the, the land uh, acquisition agent. And you, I mean, that to have you on the side of the fellowship was a, was a big deal. You've, you've helped not only Pfeiffer, but you also helped. Um, I, I want to ask one thing, since you did know such a great man as Pfeiffer, um, is there anything that you could say that, that you learned from him that you should pass on to generations that might have been something lost? You know, like, for instance, you said, if you have enough will, you can do anything, if you want it enough. Yeah. Yeah. Now, with Pfeiffer, what did you learn from him? Just what he had to tell me. Like, was he was he more of a scientist than a gardener? He wasn't a gardener at all. He he spent most of his time doing scientific work. He was working, yeah. So what what did that involve? Because, I, I mean, I remember hearing about sort of farms that, like, like the colonial uh, frontiersmen, like, oh, like no, no. the founding fathers always had farms that were like scientific farms. They would always take very good records and do do experiments all the time. Yeah. And, and it, he reminds me of that. And I'm just curious what you could learn in, in just even the style of farming. Because farming is like – like far, farming can be a, a, a laboratory in no time. Yeah. Right? Probably. Yeah. I don't really know about that. You it, just worked for him, and you I, and you I, learned what you could. Well, I had to have certain things that I'd need out in California, 
And so I had to learn what tests I had to make. And when he came out there and was there in the morning, he said, I don't like how you do it. I'm sitting at the analytical scale. I measure exactly what I want. And then I take it and I go across the room and take out the bulb and put it in. And Pfeiffer wanted me to do it the other way. (laughs) And I said, you can get somebody else. I'll give you two weeks. Get out of here. And I'm leaving. Yeah. And the following morning, he's there at 8 o'clock. And we're doing organic matter, burning off organic matter. And both of us started laughing. (laughs) And that was the end of that. Good. So there's pros and cons all the time. With yeah, and, and, you, and you basically, you know, I mean, you had to deal with the ego. Well, you see, we, you, you don't live one life. You live so many lives. So I knew Pfeiffer way before this. I knew Adelheid probably many before this. You don't know all the people that you know. Because there's the life with you. Yeah. We, all, we all wear different faces yeah right you know we, we don't pay enough enough to uh know the spiritual world and if we ever i mean it's so so basically that's advice to say you shouldn't have quick judgment on someone because you don't really know anyone on the whole you don't know them yeah you're there because you've been invited yes or asked to come so now i'm getting but i've handed out so many pieces of paper and and even you, us, ourselves, we have our own lives because we are who we are, and we don't even know what our life is to other people. Yeah. And so I, I just thought it was interesting because to you, you're Sally, the 91-year-old lady that lives above me. That's right. You're not the young woman that, that Aaron Pfeiffer knew. And you're not that hard hard woman that other people knew, nor you are the, 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 the romantic interest that the, the man in Oakland knew. Like, you're, you're a different person for everybody. And I just think that's a very good point. One of the things I made, I promised myself when I moved here that I would say hello to everybody. Do you and know I, everybody's name? No. I don't know. It's not a matter of knowing names. But I would say hello. How are you today? You know, and the people started talking and saying hello to each other. And that made a big change for me. Because... They really need to say hello to each other. They right. need to believe that other people here like each other. Or are connected. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's true. You know, I mean, at least that's the first step. Yeah. Yeah. Because then you can talk to somebody. But I'm not afraid of, you know, whatever's going to be is going to be. So so Sally just gave me a few pictures. Uh, one is of a farm that was up in Chester. And she also uh, showed a picture of when Sally was younger. You know, when she was a young lady, and it's real cute. She was um, uh, with the heifers, and uh, and so now she whipped out a um, a little prayer card. This is for when somebody dies. This is a prayer by Rudolf Steiner. So the other day, when uh, what's his name died, that cut the lawn. Miklos. Miklos. That was he was another case of someone that chose to stop eating. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah, he, he did. Yeah. And so uh, when I came, I told uh, Gerald Carnell that I wanted to say this prayer. And so when Gerald finished the whole thing, he said, and Sally will now close it. And that's when I said this prayer. All right, say it. Which is, let my love 
and sacrifice be interwoven in the sheaves which now enclose thee, cooling thy burning fire, warming thy chilling cold, rise, love-born, upward, filled with light. That's beautiful. By Bruder Steiner. I'm going to read it. You can have it. I'm going to read it again, okay? Um, now, uh, but I, 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 I believe that the love woven into someone will take them through any hardship. Yeah. Um, a prayer for the one who has died. Let my love and sacrifice be interwoven in the sheaths which now envelop thee. Enclose thee. Enclose thee. Cooling thy burning fire, warming thy chilling cold. Rise, love born upward, filled with light. And that's a Steiner quote. That's a real Steiner. So you, uh, when did you end up leaving the job that you had? Well, I had finished everything. You retired. Well, the man before me had done 99% of the work. So he went home. And uh, I went, uh, I took over the, whatever was left. I had to be a notary. And now, so, you did retire eventually. Yeah. When did you retire? It says, happy retirement, Sally. She's giving me a, a, a photo book. And it was May 28th, 1993. So 16, or, uh, um, not 16, 23 years ago. 23 years ago you retired. Yeah. I was heavy. Oh, there look, you are. Look how heavy I was. <laughs> no, you know what? When when you're older, it's better off to be a little heavier because it keeps your face. Oh, I lost 10 pounds the moment I came here. Yeah? Why? Well, that's just how it works. It's just how it works. What what you got now? I'm just looking at the pictures. Well, all the heads of the, of the departments came. Okay. For my my retirement party. Yes. That my secretary made, she did all the stuff herself. She was really very good. Yeah, that's very nice. So you retired um, 20, 23 years ago, and what did you do after you retired? Enjoy life. Enjoyed life. <laughs> did you move? Let me see. Is it done? Where, where did you move? Let me just see. Yeah. All, all these people I knew, that was me, and all the heads of the department came, and uh, we had a fantastic goodbye party, and uh, it was a really fantastic. When you take Rockland County and take the heads of all of them in the center over in New City, and they all come over, that's really very nice of them. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you really did a, lo- a long career for them. I just, you know what? What? You can do anything you want to do. Yeah, you told me. And and so so now Sally, I just want to get like how long did it take before you finally came to the fellowship? Well, I was living at Grace Ann's house until until to till you moved here. Until I moved here. Okay. About what, 7 years. 7 years and ago. And then I came here and I've been here for what? What was Over 3 years now. What what was the um point or what was the point that you knew you had to move? Because I didn't think Grace and I liked each other much more. <laughs> and we needed to change. All right. So I said, if that's how you feel, let's sign the papers right now. All right. And you were off. Did you move to, have you been in Lady Slipper ever since? Yep. This room? Yep. So you've been here three years? Yep. So three years? Yep. Okay. 
And uh, and do you find that um, any challenges in being older? The problem I have is with their food. The food. The food gives me diarrhea every now and then. Whoever cooks doesn't know how to cook. If I go out to a restaurant, I never have a problem. Hmm. But here I have a problem constantly with the food, and I have to fight myself all the time to be sure I can eat it. And I was going to uh, uh, David Capernegro, the dentist, and uh, I went in to wait for him. I asked for the bathroom, and they had the bathroom in, in the main room there. And I had diarrhea awful Ugh. on the floor you st- everywhere. You still and come to dinner meals every day. No, because they don't know how to do things right here. They don't do it like a restaurant does it. There's something they do that's not right, and we haven't discovered what exactly what that is. Well, If it was like a restaurant, then you'd let, you would – I've never had problems with any restaurant food. It's interesting. Nobody it, does. It, it must be something in the. In it's the, something here that they do. Well, it must be combinations. It must that must be why. I mean, because I don't I don't get diarrhea. No, you may not. But that's I'm saying maybe, I don't. Maybe it's my constitution. <laughs> maybe well, it's your constitution. Well, all I know is that when that happens, I said to, uh, to ask David, the dentist. If I have time to go home and change my clothes, and I'll come back. Oh, God. And he said, no, you don't, because I have to go to the hospital and work for patients. Speaking of that, how, how has everything been? I mean, have, have, you, have you been aging gracefully, or has there been problems? I don't mind getting older. Are you okay? I mean, I, have you had health issues? No. You're all good? Well, Gerald Carno thought maybe I wasn't doing right or something. I said, what do you want me to do, prove it? (laughs) So I did every test he wanted me to do, everything he could think of, and everything was negative. They came up and took blood out of my arm everywhere, they went, and that was it. I said, now, Gerald, are you satisfied that I'm stinkingly healthy? (laughs) He said, yes. Now, what do you think of the fellowship, besides the food? I think the fellowship serves a tremendous purpose here which is wonderful. For people that need to come and live here, the only problem they had, they have is with the food. They grow food, and they do a wonderful job. It's a lot of work. But they got to know how, what is the difference between this food and outside in the restaurant? Yeah. What is slightly different? Yeah, yeah. And I- if we can discover that, then you have no problems ever. Again, so um, what would you say besides that? I mean, do you say it's it's great? But what other things are great? Like like the, the organic the food the the, um, the scenery. Well, what do you think I like? What it's beautiful, you, right? Oh, look out the windows. It's beautiful, and look at the beautiful trees and stuff going on. Yeah, I love being here. I love to be able to look out over there. You can't. You see the con the pavement. Yep. So and you another a, building. Yep. So there's beautiful scenery here. It's a gem in, in kind of the rough, I would say. I mean, this is suburbia, and uh, but this place is not suburbia. No. This is beautiful. But they, uh, it, it's taken everything out with Anne Sharp. You know, Paul would tell her about building the chicken house. Yeah. Every day to come over here, what to do for this build part of the, 
and she came over here every single day and told them what else they, he says they got to do. And so it slowly was built. But uh, it was amazing to watch it because it's a big chicken house. Biggest I've ever seen. Yeah. It's a I, house. Yeah, it's a real I, house. I, I had a square house like this, my ch- chickens. Yeah. So um, what do you see in the future? Do you, do you fear death? Do you fear decline? I don't fear anything that I know of. I've been with people that cross over, and that's perfectly fine if they cross over with me because I love to be with them. And I checked it out with Paul Scharf. No, I went over to see Paul now several times and talked about different things that I had experienced and what was true experience. Because we all agreed, a few of us over here at Threefold agreed when a person died, we would stay with them for three hours. So through the night, it would take three people to finish the whole night. And so... uh, and I was reading a book, but it was on the spiritual life, and I wanted to see the word Christ. And when I looked at the page, Christ was wiped out. And I called on the spiritual world to correct it. Because somebody told me how to connect with them so I could overcome it. And then when I looked, and there was Christ on the page. And I could go on. The friends in Hamburg that I grew up with, her children, Mary Pendleton, came over from the White House, which is right across the Hungry Hollow Road. She was wakened out of a sound sleep. And something's going on that's not good. So she came across in her nightgown and asked me what was going on. I said, everything is all right now. I will tell you tomorrow. What happened? Yeah, because I had an experience. I had a spiritual you're, experience. You're connected. Yeah, so I told her. Yeah. And she was supposed to come here and live from Hamburg. And when she got here, they had no room for her. So she went up in Massachusetts or somewhere. I went up and saw her for one time, and she died up there. And I don't know what else happened, but it was really sad because uh, Ruth Eastman... That was my first experience with being in a room where I was 12 years old. I'm allowed because uh, Wallace Eastman was our dentist. And he said, you know, all these women come in with all their problems and talk to me. I can't get any work done on their teeth. So they had a huge living room. So they decided to bring everybody over here and do that. And I asked my mother, can I go to... She said, if you don't say anything, you can go. So I just sat there and listened to the whole thing at 12 years old. And the woman gave me a book. And in it she said, Dear Sally, I hope we meet each other on the road to Damascus sometime. Signed by Nancy Wood. Nancy I quite that's not quite her it, name. It's not necessary. But uh, Muriel loved it so much. It was going back and forth and being loaned to other people, and now I don't have it anymore. They can't find it. I've looked everywhere for it because I was 12 years old when I got that book. Yeah. 
All right, Sally. Well, I think this is unless you have something pressing. I think um, we've we've gotten a wonderful a bit of information from you. Good. And, and, uh, and the one thing you do in life is do what you want to do. Let life direct you a little more. So, and you can say yes, I can do that, and 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 go through things without uh, feeling that you're being taking advantage of or some stupid thing like that. You're not being taken advantage. You are learning. That's right. And the spiritual world is listening to you as you as you when you think of them. We are too damn dumb at times. So that's what I would like to say, and I hope to heaven that prayer gets passed out everywhere. Yeah, it's a beautiful prayer. That's Royal Steiner's prayer. But you're very right. We are too damn dumb. And we'll leave it that, right? <laughs> All right, goodbye, Sally but, Burns. But I must say, I really love everybody around here. They're all wonderful people. Everybody's got, I don't know all their stories by any means, but I'm glad to be here to be part of their life. It's a special place. Yeah. And it, this world's a special place. And the people on it. And um, I'm glad that you, you know, I'm glad to have heard your story. And I'm glad to have gotten, received your advice. And um, I really appreciate it. When Ralph Courtney, head of threefold, died, he had a gun. He had a rifle, you know, about that long. And I took it because nobody else would do it. And I had it fixed. And I used to shoot squirrels out of the tree out my window continuously. And the more I shot, the more I got the following year. So I finally decided that that really wasn't necessary. So when I came here, I went over to uh, the store that's, if you go down 59 to 202 and turn right and go up to a rifle store, uh, they fixed it with a new set. A new site. New site. And they took me down the stairs down in the, in the basement and... Forty-five feet away, there was a cap on top that was loose on top of the bottle. And I just wanted to shoot it off. I said, like that, gone. Nice. No answer. No problem. You you were really were a sire, aren't you? I was what? What was it? Sayer? Sayer Burns. Sayer Burns. You really fit the name. Well, I, you know, um, what I just wanted to say, I mean, you did you eat the, the, the squirrels? No, they're pretty good eating. Yeah, I hear over at they're, they're, you eat the thighs. Uh, a man over in Pearl River. What do they have? They sell all kinds of things for people uh, to work with. Uh, they love squirrels in the winter time because they get they're particularly or in the late summer or something like that. So I used to bring them dead squirrels, and they would eat them. <laughs> I've eaten them. Yeah. I would get as many as two hundred a year. Yeah, and they, now and, I and now I had to pay for it. And they're know? good for target practice. That's why why you're a good good shooter. Yeah, and that's why I drive fast too. All right, Sally. Since we're talking about killing squirrels, I think we've run out of topics <laughs> <laughs> for the moment. For the moment. All right. I, like I said, it's it was a pleasure. 
and I'm I'm glad to have heard some of your life. Bye bye, Sally. Bye bye. I tell you what. <laughs>